Welcome to the Exhibit A podcast. We're on. Today we have Yuselfi Taylor, uh, the most interesting man in Pasadena, perhaps. <laughs> I can only think of one other guy that's even similar to you, and that's my good friend by the name of Stephen Yee, who I still don't think that I've had the uh, chance to introduce the two of you guys together because you're so similar. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about insurance needs for people with family law cases. And we have Allie with us, our estate planning attorney, uh, because she knows what goes on when insurance policies uh, become an issue in probate court. And uh, she's going to help me interrogate you, sir. Sure. Okay. Bring it on. We're, we're going to test, <laughs> test your mettle today. All right. Let's go. Actually, I don't, I'm not sure that I can do that because uh, your mettle is quite, quite strong. I don't, I don't think I could even get near that. I, I want to talk about you first. Uh, Selfie, you and I met probably about maybe five, six years ago. Yeah. Uh, it might have been in the elevator of this building here because you used to have an office here. Yep. And then we went out to lunch, and I remember you were starting your uh, business. You had worked for New York Life. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Taylor Insurance just exploded. You yeah. got your new building. You've been flying around the nation <laughs> like a crazy man. I mean, you really yeah. are an amazing person. And I just, you know, I went on the internet uh, just to see what else I could learn about you. And this, this is amazing. Uh, you. Uh, are the president and founder of Taylor Insurance and Financial Services. Uh, and as an insurance agent, and you told me this when we first met, you were a top producer at New York Life. In fact, you're a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, right? Mm, yes. A lot of people that don't know about insurance don't know how significant that is because that's just a small percentage of people that make it to that. Could you explain what yeah, that is? Yeah, so uh, industry designation, Million Dollar Roundtable, uh, is uh, probably the top 5% of, of producers uh, globally. So it's not even a domestic uh, designation. Um, and then I uh, happen to be what's called a top of the table producer. So the top of the table is the top 1% of the 5%. Uh, so it, I believe there's about 1,300 top of the table producers in the world. So it's a, a, a great uh, great honor to 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 to, to make that. Uh, to yeah, make that, and that's uh, just one of your many accolades. I I also noticed here that I didn't know this is that you obtained a series six, sixty three, sixty five, and seven licenses in addition to the life and health insurance yeah. license. What what are those licenses? So those are securities licenses. So the six, sixty three, sixty five, seven, all the numbers. Uh, those allow me to do a variety of things from sell uh, mutual funds, uh, stocks, bonds, annuities, uh, alternative investments, do financial planning. So in my practice, we take what I call a macro perspective. So it's not just about insurance or just about investments. We want to look at the whole person, the client's needs from A through Z, and we're able to, to serve them accordingly. Yeah, I, I had the good fortune of, of being at the university club recently and hearing a wonderful seminar that you gave over lunch. And uh, you're, you're definitely an expert on the topic. And what I love about you that is, is that you know how to communicate to people in ways that they can understand. Yeah. I don't know about you, Ali, but I always believe in the, the thing that if you don't understand it, you got to be really suspicious of it, yeah. right? Because there's a lot of people in your industry that seem to talk in language that most people don't understand, yet sure. they have their blind faith where you break it down pretty sure. easily. You've done that with insurance policies and, and all that when you've spoken, spoken to our staff here. Okay, so at the age of 22, you start with New York Life Insurance. So let's go back a little bit further. Sure. You grew up here in Pasadena. Pasadena, local guy, yes. Yeah. yes. And you went to high school at Maranatha High School, yes. which is, I think, what I really – felt like I had a, a bond with you because my kids went there. And I know that you yeah. were a, a star athlete. Here's what I didn't know. I knew that you played basketball. 
And I know that you are like a physical specimen. I mean, people, if you see, if you see this man on, on Facebook, he's like standing on his hands, you know, just like it's like I'm walking on, you know, I could, he could probably stand on his hands easier and I could walk on my feet, right? But, but I also saw a clip of you like playing basketball with some retired basketball player and you were like shooting hoops and it was a boom, one after another, one after another. I think, what does this guy not do, man? So you, you were, you were at varsity sports, and you competed in uh, four varsity sport, sports in high school, yeah. and then you were a notable collegiate basketball. You had a, a, a career at Concordia University. Just amazing. Now, on top of that. No this, more. No more. No, no. I got to say this part, because this is the thing that I think is amazing. Magnum cum laude with a bachelor's degree in business management. I mean, dude, you are like, are you human? You know, you know. And then what I see now is that you're running around the nation. You're on LinkedIn, on national television. Yeah. You know, and all this stuff. Yeah. So, I, I guess before we get into our topic, yeah. I want to know how in the world do you do it? Is it just natural talent, or are you like some? Do you sleep? See, it's interesting. I, I would tell people, people ask me that. Do you sleep? And I say very well. Right. By the time I hit my head hits the pillow, I'm exhausted. I think for me, um, it's it's funny with all the accolades and been quite blessed. I, I'm arguably the the biggest failure you've ever met in your life. And oh, I want to hear I'll this. Say, I'll say that in okay. the sense that um, I have failed every way you can fail in life, right? Once, and I learned from it and got a little bit better. So I don't I don't believe in winning and, lo- and losing. I believe in winning and learning. So it's so the reason that I've achieved all of these things is because I haven't been afraid, right? They say uh, fear is uh, false expectation appearing real. Right. So I just attack everything and, and I and I'm not afraid to fail. Matter of fact, I want to fail big, real big, because the bigger I attempt to fail, then that gives me an opportunity to succeed. So, um, you know, from my planning practice, I think at this point I own like six companies and, you know, between the, the my nonprofit work with my organization and others that I'm affiliated with and I'm a certified yoga teacher and all these things. Really, it's all about connectivity. That's the common thread. I'm in the business of building relationships with people and helping people. That's what I do. And so that's why I'm not tired. Like how, like look at my life. It stinks to, I just had a breakfast meeting with a good friend of mine. I'm here sharing ideas with you. I'll have a lunch meeting with another colleague. I'll do a radio show this afternoon. I'll, I'll be with my kids tonight. It's like, what stinks about my life? It's busy, but it's, it's constant engagement. It's constant connectivity, constantly helping people. And, it's, and the more success that I've had, the more money that I've made, the more notoriety that I have, and the less I care about how much I'm making or what I get out of it. And the more I give, then just the more I'm, I'm blessed with, right? Yeah. If I have a problem, if I, I'll give you one area of vulnerability. I have a problem saying no. That's why. That's why. That's I why you're so, here today, right? That's why I so much, <laughs> I, I'm not good at saying no, right? You know. But, well, but thank you for yeah. saying. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. But no, I, I, there, and and so I'm taking all of those. I'm taking all the good things. Yes, all the things I've learned and all the positive things. And I'm, I, I think my clients get more out of my failures and out of the more out of the things I've seen go poorly. Right, because I can tell them this isn't theory. This isn't something I read about. This is my life. I've lived it. You know, 19 years I've been in this industry now, and so and so I could share the good, the bad, and the ugly. But you mentioned it. You hit the nail on the head. It's about authenticity. Like I'm saying, this this is the deal. And I think if you give people the information to make educated decisions, empower them, then that's it. Then my job is done. Whether you do everything I say, half of it, none of it, your prerogative. But but you'll no longer say I didn't know or no one explained it to me. Or, I I wasn't aware of my options. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, I have to hit on this when you talk about the work that you do within the community. Uh, you have this annual golf tournament yeah. that's a success yeah. in the day and age where golf tournaments are like waning. You know, nobody's doing them yeah. anymore. But you figure out the the formula. I've yeah. I've gone to one of them yeah. and I was amazed at uh, how well you do. 
That's just an example of some of the things you do for the community. Yeah. You also raise money for kids, or are you? Yeah, so I have my own nonprofit, Future Stars. So that's my charity uh, um, basketball camp I do. I've done a golf tournament every year for the last. Uh, this will be our fourteenth year doing the golf tournament. Um, this is my first gala, so we've got a gala coming up. I believe you're coming yeah, to I that. Am so yeah. we have a gala that we'll, we'll do, and so um, the the camp uh, allows me to bring in kids from all over the area and 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 and, uh, and teach them basketball and life really right <clears throat> the last few years we've done well enough where i've raised more money than i need to run the camp so i've created a scholarship fund so i've named wow. the scholarship after a couple of great clients of mine the, the dr ludlow and ruth curry scholarship fund where i'm able to help kids finish high school finish college right and so it's been it's been an amazing journey um, and then other things, it seems like the, the, the Unifier's children. Um, I sit on the board of the uh, Los Angeles Committee for, for March of Dimes, um, and then also Los Angeles Children's Hospital, um, Ronald McDonald's house. You're killing me, right? man. You know, and, and, you know uh, so, so. We thought our lives yeah. were crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what it comes down to, though? It comes down, it's a, it's a choice. It all comes down to That's choices, true. right? When people said, oh, I'm too busy, I can't. I guarantee you if I told you, hey, there's a winning lottery ticket at my office, can you come today? I, bear, I bet you you get there, <laughs> right? And so it's just a matter of choice and, and, and priority, right? Yeah. So, no, but it's, 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 uh, it's been a blessing, a wild ride. You know, I'm, I'm only 30, 11. You do the math on that. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a little ways to, to go, and, and, and I'm excited. Like, I'm, I'm loving, loving life, loving this journey, love relationships and helping people yeah. cool okay well let's yeah. get into our topic yeah. okay sure. again right. it's insurance needs for people with family law cases sure this ain't the first time that you and i've spoken about no. this because you've you've actually come and given training to yep. my staff in, in past occasions so first of all could you tell us what type of life insurance products are available uh for people i mean sure. I, I think i kind of have a, a little bit of knowledge sure. but you're the expert sure in a general sense to just make it simple there's two types of insurance you have permanent insurance and you have term insurance. Think of permanent insurance like owning a piece of property, right? A popular form of permanent insurance is one called whole life. So your premium price is fixed at the time of purchase, very much like a fixed mortgage, right? You buy it, premium price is fixed, it's guaranteed, it's never going to change. As you're paying that premium, the policy also builds equity. It builds a cash value, and you can access that, that cash value in life. So it's similar to like when you're making a mortgage payment, you're building equity in your home, right? It's a bit of a morbid joke that I tell, but permanent insurance is the only insurance product you buy that I guarantee you'll use, right? <laughs> I guarantee you're going to take cash out of the contract or you're going to die, right? right. It, it, so that's the idea. So in addition to, that, to that, that, that death benefit, there's a living benefit there, right? The policy accumulates cash value. So permanent policy uh, is, is the one form. Whole life is uh, one popular form. There's another type of permanent policy called universal life. Whole life is fixed, right? So if your premium payment's 500 bucks a month, it's 500 bucks a month. Not going to be more, not going to be less. Universal life allows the insured to, to have flexibility in premium payments, right? So maybe I'm in a business that's a commission business or I own my own company and my income can be cyclical. I can set the, the premium payments based on affordability. So it allows me to adjust the, uh, the premium payment. In a whole life policy, the cash value is, uh, is grow, grows by the issuance of a dividend, which is more of a fixed, guaranteed, predictable outcome. And universal life can be fixed interest, index, that's the performance is tied to the performance of an indice, or variable, where you're actually buying mutual funds in the policy. So there's a lot more in the way of flexibility and nuances that the insurance, uh, or the, the insured rather has. So in determining which type of permanent insurance is best for someone, I tell people, if you want a predictable outcome, I want to know that if I give you a dollar, 
I'm getting two in return and I have a guaranteed death benefit, then you buy whole life. If someone says, I'm okay with probability, I'm okay knowing that if I give you a dollar, I might get four or five. I might not, right? But I like that the upside's there for me. Uh, There's a greater level of probability. Then you can look at a universal life type chassis. And then lastly, you have term insurance. Term insurance is like renting the insurance. Your coverage is set for a fixed period of time, a term. One year, five years, 20 years, 30 years, premiums leveled. There's no cash value. There's no equity buildup, right? It's like your car insurance or homeowner's insurance. You don't die in that term. Thanks for playing, right? But it gives people the ability to get larger sums of coverage generally at a lower price. So my job as, a, as an advisor is to help guide people to which, which product or combination of products you know, work best. Yeah, and that takes uh, some time for you to sit down and actually learn about people <coughs> sure. and find out what their needs are, sure. what their abilities to pay sure. and things of that sure. nature. Yeah. So, so, you know, I guess uh, my next question was, is do you have any suggestions to people as to, you know, what's best for them? Yep. And I think you've already kind of answered yep. it. It depends on the person. It de- depends. There's not a cookie cutter. Hey, everyone should have X or everyone should have Y. There's this one concept that I'll share with you, and it's called human capital. And I don't think most people are aware of that. What is that? Human capital is the present value of your future earnings. The present value of your future earnings. For example, if I make $200,000 a year and my family needs $200,000 a year to pay tuition, pay the mortgage, keep peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the table, right? My human capital is the amount of income my family needs on an annual basis multiplied by 20. 200000 times 20 is $4 million, right? That's how much life insurance I should have. Why? Because if I died and a $4 million check was delivered to my family and they said, okay, well, now what? If you got a 5% return on $4 million, that would generate $200,000 of income in perpetuity, thus replacing my income. And here's the challenge, and here's why I say human capital is important and most people don't recognize that. The same guy or the same gal that makes $200,000 a year will go buy a million-dollar policy. I got a, I got a million dollars of coverage. It's a, a lot of money. A million dollars is a lot of money. But when you break that, so let's get this straight. You make $200,000 a year, you've got a million-dollar policy. That's five years of your income. So if I'm 40 years old and I've got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, right, and I only provide five years' worth of my income, my eight-year-old gets to 15, or 13, rather, my, my five-year-old gets to 10, and then the money runs out, then, then what, right? So just having that conversation with people like, oh, goodness, I didn't, I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it that way because maybe they thought a million dollars was the right number because that's the balance of their mortgage. And they go, look, if the mortgage is paid off, then good. Okay, mortgage is paid off. Okay, but what about property taxes and insurance and car payments and tuition, right? So those are some of the dilemmas. So most people, I'd say 99% of people are underinsured. When you take a look at what, what do they make in a year, what does their family need in a year, multiply that number by 20. So even if you have coverage, you might have a great plan. The question begs, is it enough? If you owned a house that was worth a million dollars, would you insure it for 200000 Would you buy 200000 homeowners? Most people say, well, no, I wouldn't do that. Why would I insure my house for a fifth of its value, right? Well, then why do you buy insurance that represents a fifth of your income earning potential? Yeah. So you, could, you said something about the, the, the product. Are, are there some products that you would know that, hey, people shouldn't, uh, you know, get? I mean, they, you're, you're in the business of knowing what good life insurance yeah. companies are out there. Versus yeah, I mean, a, in a general sense, you want to work with a good, reputable company. I mean, there's a, a slew of strong ones out there. Uh, there's ratings. You want to look at A or you know, A-rated companies typically are, are higher. Um, 
Little known fact is insurance companies are amongst some of the strongest financial institutions in our country, right? 2008, at least in my lifetime, arguably is one of the worst economic years we, we face in, in, our, in our country's, uh, country's history. Um, if you look at all the banks and financial institutions that failed, you know, not one insurance company failed. You know, why? Because their mantras are old, conservative, and dull. Because their reserve requirements are very high, right? I don't know if people, a lot of people don't realize this. Insurance companies do not pay taxes on premiums received as they are, quote, unquote, reserves for future claims. So they get to bring in billions of dollars of premium, not pay taxes on that money, and reinvest that money. Okay. Right? That, that explains it all. <laughs> right? Right? And so whereas, whereas a bank, conversely, a bank can lend $10 for every dollar on deposit. So they're highly, highly levered, right? And people go, oh, but don't banks have FDIC. FDIC, a lot of people don't realize, isn't a government agency. It's a private company. It's just government-backed, right? Did you know that FDIC has one penny in reserve for every dollar they guarantee? So forget a cataclysmic failure of the banking industry. If one major bank failed, they don't have enough money to make good. I don't know if you remember this. Right here on Lake Avenue, I remember 2008. I was up the road. IndyMac Bank was right here. Oh, I remember and, that. and I remember yeah. uh, people outside lined up on Lake Avenue right here wanting their money in the bank saying, eh, maybe we'll give you 50 cents on the dollar today. I don't know if you're, you remember. I actually didn't know that happened. Yeah, wow. but there's a line wow. of people out there. But but wow. but so so that's the that's the value in finding a good strong insurance company. You want to make sure they're they're going to be there. They're gonna they're gonna pay. But in a general sense, most of the big boys all have you know really strong strong financials. I don't really believe in perfect products. I believe in perfect planning, right? So I think when people talk about, I'll even expand beyond life insurance, life insurance and annuities and mutual funds and stocks. It's not that they're good or bad ones because. Oh, I hate annuities or I hate this life insurance. No. Someone sold you a product that did not match your objectives. That's what happened. It's not that the product okay. was bad, right? It's that someone sold you. So if, if you said to me, hey, Sylphie, liquidity is really important to me. I want to invest with you, but liquidity is really important to me. I want to buy a second home in two years, right? And you invest your money with me, and I put it in a product with an early penalty for getting out, right? And then you call me in two years, like, hey, Sylvia, I found my dream home. I need my money. And I go, okay, Don, you can have it, but you got to pay a 7% penalty to get your money. You're like, what? There goes you going online. These investments are a ripoff. They're horrible. Mm, it's not that the investment was a ripoff. Someone put you in a product that did not match your declared objectives. That's what happened. Okay. Because perhaps for someone with a long-term time horizon, that product was great. You see? So for me, knock on wood, I want to tell people the right thing for them, not what's best for me or how I make money. That may mean that I don't make a sale with you today. I might say, you know what, Don, based on what you're telling me, I don't have a product for that. Keep it in the bank. Okay, right? well, let's talk about specific but products. Go ahead, it, Allie. Go it's ahead. also important, yeah. though, that that product fits in with your portfolio sure. of products, right? Sure. Because, um, you know, for at least for my clients, like I really like at least some insurance, some sure. life insurance, sure. because guess what? It comes quick. Sure. You yeah. know, and so even with very large estates, to know that you have half a million dollars that can come Liquidity. as soon as you get yeah. that death certificate yeah. to start paying bills, yeah. that's really yeah. important. It's it's tough, right? Because even you look at quote unquote net worth, and we're here in, in Southern California, my clients who've made their wealth in real estate, it's not uncommon for them to have maybe 5% or less of their total net worth liquid. Absolutely. Not uncommon and probably the same of a business owner. So they're quote unquote worth 10 million, 20 million, 100 million. How much cash do they have? I have a, a huge client of mine, easily worth over 200 million, maybe has 4 million in liquid investments. 
right? Now he's got good cash flow from his real estate, but mm -hmm. we were talking about just cash. So when those bills have to be paid or estate taxes right. have to be paid, right? Are we looking at forced liquidation of property? Are we looking at forced liquidation of business interests, right? You know, and these mm -hmm. are the are we are we forced to take loans and and, and cash advances at unfavorable rates right. because we have to? Yeah, you're right? making decisions uh, in a crisis situation right. as opposed to strategic. Versus having this money on hand, now you have options, you have you have choices, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. But you bring up a very good point it's about it's about not i can't sell someone in, in a product in and of itself with this myopic view for example if you said hey sylvia i'm interested in insurance what should i buy if you ask any advisor that question and they start spouting off products go walk the other way because the very first thing i'm going to say is well i need to what else is going on right what what income are you trying to replace what other investments have you done any other planning because i you know i want to i want to fill gaps not just sell sell products yeah. you know and that's mm -hmm. the most you know that's the most important thing and it may very well be, again be you know what don you're you're good right the mm -hmm. products you have the plan you have is good maybe i tweak this or change this but you're good now it might be go oh my goodness <laughs> circle the wagons we got a lot of work to do we got to do but i i don't know it'd, it'd be like going into your doctor's office and saying hey doc what kind of surgery should I have? Like, uh, yeah. how about I ask you some tests? <laughs> run some tests and ask you some questions. I don't know. Well, I just, well let's, right? change, let's change the topic a little bit <laughs> sure. and talk about what, what my client's coming up sure. to you and says, I just got a spousal support and child yep. support award. Yep. Okay. And I'm afraid that my soon-to-be ex-husband's going to pass. Sure. And I've got to raise these four young kids, sure. you know, until they're 18 and graduated high school. Yeah. Is there some type of a insurance product that that i could get for that sure so obviously a permanent one's never going to run out so depending on how long that spousal award is to be given then i'd want a permanent policy i'd want a policy that doesn't ever run out if it's for a particular period of time if i say hey my kids are eight and ten and this is going to run until they're 18 and then it's out maybe i buy a 10-year term right at least for, for that period of time so the need and you 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 alluded to it earlier your need and affordability dictate the purchase decision Okay. Right. How much coverage? I always start with need. For before I even get into the product type, how much coverage do we need? I want to satisfy that first. Then second to that, well, what's your budget? How much can you afford for planning? And then that's going to dictate. That'll dictate the, the the best course of action. Okay. So when when a person has a, a child support need that needs to be insured, do you um, have any feeling about who should own the policy? Whether it's the the guy who's making the the support. Yeah. So it's or? so it's interesting, right? There's there's Naturally, we might think if I said, how many parties are there to a life insurance uh, policy? You might go, well, there's one, isn't there? There's actually four. There's four parties to a life insurance contract. Now, generally, not generally, more times than not, it actually is one person, but here are the different parties. You have the owner, you have the applicant, you have the payer, and you have the insured. There are four parties, and they do not have to be the same. Mm. For example, if 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 my ex-wife was supposed to provide spousal support or child support to me, and I go, I want to make sure if she dies and get in a horrible car accident that I'm paid, right? I want to get a two million dollar life insurance policy in her. I can own the policy. I can apply for the policy, right? She can be the insured, and she can even be the payer. Or I might say. Heck, if she's refuting to, to pay the premium, I want to protect my own interests. I can be the owner. I can be the applicant. I can be the payer. And she can simply be the insured. Okay. Right? So depending, again, I mean, obviously, if a, if a divorce or a family law matter is contentious, 
you know, you probably want to err on the side of caution and say maybe I have more control. Theoretically, though, it can be done anyway. But that's one common thing. You don't need to go, my husband, my ex-husband said he'd get it. I, I hope he does. Or I hope he pays the premium. No, because if I own that policy, and, 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 and then the premium notices are coming to me and the policy details are coming to me. And most importantly, the insured has no rights under the policy. It's only the owner. So if I own the policy and, and my ex-wife is the insured and she gets pissed off at me, Okay, I own the policy and I'm paying the premium. Now, if she's if she's the payer and she stops paying the premium, I'll at least be aware of it and I'll go, ah, it's not happening. I'll, I'll I'll pick up the premium or no, there's a court order mandate here that you're going to continue yeah. to pay this premium and I know you didn't. So this right. is this is maybe where I intersect with Ali's expertise sure. here. So sometimes in our judgments, we'll have an, a provision that states that if the policy lapses for non-payment, then the uh, person who was supposed to receive the benefit can go into probate court and get it from the estate, mm-hmm. you know, what was, what was left over. So um, how does that work? I mean, is it, is, is it something that's likely to work, you know, or does it just, I guess it depends on how much of an estate there is, right? Sure. Yeah, that's right. And that's what you're relying on, right? I mean, if there's, you can't get blood from a turnip. So yeah. if there's not enough in there, um, you're going to be out of luck. Also, you have to make sure and get in, to probate court within a year of the death. Oh. Um, and that can be problematic. Mm-hmm. While a year seems a long time, in that first year after someone passes, you know, it, it, it can go, go quick. quick. And then the courts are backed up and, yeah. and all that. So yeah. it sounds to me like you want to have control, like, mm-hmm. like you it, were saying then. I, I, I'm a hope for the best plan for the worst. So if I can have control, then that, yeah. would be, that would be ideal. I would want to own the policy, but the mistake people think, geez, I own it. That doesn't mean I have to pay for it. Nope. Not necessarily. Right. I can own it, right? I can own it. The other party can be the insured and the payer, but I can still own that contract, right? So that's 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 one way to have some some control or know what's going so, on. So that's another thing is we're talking about ownership. It, sometimes in a divorce, we you know we look at all the assets, and as we're getting to the bottom, we go, oh, there's these life insurance policies, mm-hmm. and they may be whole life insurance policies. Sure. Yeah, one party wants it, the other party, you know, eventually the court makes some orders. Let's assume that it's in the name of one spouse, but the court orders it, uh, awards it to the other spouse. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Yeah, so ownership of a contract can be changed at any point, too. So if a contract's issued one way, right, it can be changed. Obviously, everything has to be done. It's just to clarify, everything has to be done at, at some point with the consent of the insured. And by that, I mean, I can't go, Don. I don't think you're the healthiest guy in the world. I'm going to take out a policy on you, and you're not going to know, and I'm going to pay the premium. When you kick the bucket, I'm getting paid. It cannot happen. You are going to, at some point, have to acknowledge, sign that application, acknowledge you know, whether it's taking an exam or answering medical questions. You're going to have to know about that policy. The other thing, there has to always be what's called insurable interest. Right? I, was like, ask, I was just going to ask right? you that. Like, Tell us what that means. Yeah, insurable interest just means we have some connection. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to be married. It doesn't mean we have to be related, but we have to have some insurable interest. So, for example, if the next building, Don, I buy is going to be down here on Colorado Boulevard, and you say, you know what, Sophie, I'd love to buy a building, too. Let's partner up. Let's go. And we're going to buy a $5 million building. I'm going to own 50%. You're going to own 50%, right? We might buy two policies, one $2.5 million policy on my life, one $2.5 million policy on your life. So that if something happens to me and I die, 
right? Now there's $2.5 million of liquidity that goes to our LLC to buy out my heirs or vice versa. So even though we're not related, the insurable interest is that we're business partners. We own a piece of real estate together. Again, I can't walk down the street and go, wow, look at that guy. He doesn't look healthy. Looks like he's overweight, eating donuts at that. Oh, yeah, come here. I got a, pro- got a proposition for you, right? Because right? the insurance company is going to go, what, what's the nature of your... Relationship, yeah, relationship, right? Yeah. Like you know, and so that's that's the you know. That's so do the insurance companies determine then the, what's an insurable interest, or is that something that's also governed by maybe the law, the government, or something? Uh, now, the thing about policies, not to to encourage people to, to try to defraud the insurance companies, there's something called a contestability period. A contestability period is the first two years that a contract is taken out. If the policy is issued in the first two years and there's a death. Right, The insurance company has the right to investigate that. Was there foul play? Did we miss something on the application? Did you misrepresent something? Right, And if they find that to be the case, they'll generally speak, they will not pay the death benefit. They will refund your premiums to you. After two years, it doesn't matter what happened. You could have lied. You, it, suicide has to, has to pay. Okay. Has to pay. Okay, man, you're, right? you're always one step. Well, listen to this. You're always one step ahead of me. So, last time that we talked about insurance, we talked about suicide. Not right. that we want anybody right. to do that right. or not. Yeah, but. you're committing to that one, literally. <laughs> but yeah. But if, if somebody has life insurance, you know, and they're against their life or whatever, and, yeah. and they commit suicide, it's still paid. Pays paid after out. two years. I've I've paid two claims, oh. two suicide claims. Um, and 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 yeah, so it pays, right? So. Uh, th- that's the contestability contestability period there. So th- there has to be insurable interest, and it really it comes down to what you're putting on the application, right? So theor- the larger face amounts of coverage you're applying for, the more scrutiny the insurance company is yeah. going to have. So if I apply for a 500, and you think, well, what does that mean? Does that mean 10,000? Generally under 5 million even, mm-hmm. the underwriting isn't all that stringent. Once you get 5, 10, 20, then... We want to see financials. We want third-party verifications on things. But under, you know, five million, most certainly under a million, you can kind of whatever you kind of put, you know, they'll. they'll, So, for example, if I said Don and I are business partners and we bought a piece of real estate, they're not even going to ask for a copy of the LLC or corporate docs. They're, They're. there. But I'm I'm saying now again, you don't want to. You know, I'm not again advising anyone to fraud the, the insurance company, but that's just the underwriting process. But, uh, but still, if Don died within the two years, they'd question it, right? Sure, but they wouldn't even necessarily question our business relationship. They would question how he die. Yes. Yeah. So so I mean. if he died and 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 again, it could happen. You could get a horrible car accident. Mm-hmm. You could have. I've paid a claim where a, a gentleman died after uh, eight months. He I bought a policy. At like six months later, his kids call me like, my dad's policy's in force, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's paid, right? And he got lung cancer, boom, gone, mm. eight months. And and the insurance company did. So your experience in the death claim being paid out real quick, I guarantee you those are policies over two years. Yes. Because Without when the policy's doubt. over two years, you submit the death claim paperwork and a death certificate, five to ten business days, depending on the carrier, you've got your money. If it's inside of two years, they're going to look. And those I- ones can take... Several months, if not longer. And, and really, the only hang-up there is not that they don't want to pay. They're going to order attending physician statements. They're going to look at, you know, if there's, they're going to want to see the, 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 the uh, autopsy, what, you know, yeah. what, what, what happened. I had a claim denied because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. It was within two years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, we're we're uh, going pretty long here. I wish that yeah. we had thirty more minutes yeah. because because this is like fascinating all day. Today. I guess to be here. <laughs> so I want to I want to change the topics a yep. little bit to something that's a li- perhaps a little bit more interesting. Yep. And this is a story about 
uh, and I want to get your professional yep. opinion about this as an insurance uh, expert. This best man takes bets on when a couple will divorce and announces it in his wedding speech. And this is a, this is a true story. <laughs> so here, here's the story. Okay. Uh, it starts off by making a speech at your best friend's wedding can be a daunting prospect. And the pressure to be uh, equal parts funny, entertaining, and inspiring, while also including a few tear-jerking moments, is high. Now, we've all been there, right? There's mm-hmm. some great speeches that are made at weddings. So this gentleman really put some work into it. What he did is, is he... <laughs> He goes to a bunch of the people at the wedding party uh, before the wedding, and he starts taking bets as to when these people are going to divorce. <laughs> and uh, uh, so he says that he wasn't really intending on uh, hurting anybody's feelings because he had a punchline at the end of this. And what he was going to say was, well, of course, nobody expects you to get divorced, and so therefore this money will never be cashed. But he actually collected money, and he, and he did this thing. So. So he says uh, uh, the basic idea is that the participants guess a year in which the couple will divorce and put it a certain amount of money. It's kind of like a like a football pool, mm-hmm. I guess, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. stuff. Anything wrong with that yeah, so far? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, and so what happens during the, the during the wedding cer- ceremony? He starts getting into it, and all of a sudden, people start booing him, insisting, and and the late <laughs> and the and the bride starts uh, crying, oh. and uh, apparently his best friend doesn't talk to him anymore. You know, <laughs> wow. you know, so. Um, What's your professional opinion about that? Was, yeah. was, 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 was that Ouch. something this man should have done? Ouch. Yeah. No, that, that's, a, that's a rough one, right? Um, he definitely doesn't get invited to dinner, right? You know, it's, it's interesting, right? When you look at it, and you guys probably know the stats better than I, but what is it, 50-some-odd percent of, of, of marriages end in divorce? So theoretically, you know, could happen. So, so this is why I'm asking you this, because you're an insurance yeah. guy. Can you insure a marriage? So it's interesting. So years ago, <laughs> years ago, I thought about divorce insurance, right? What if you could pay a premium, right, for divorce insurance that would maybe pay a lump sum settlement payment for you or pay ongoing Ooh, uh, child right. support? Yeah. That's, that's the thing. The challenge that I ran into from an actuarial, I think the, the preponderance of use would be too high. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, because the rates, the utilization rate would be too high because insurance companies are in business to be profitable. Right. For example, your average workman's comp policy, right, has 60 percent profit baked into it. So when you pay one hundred thousand dollars a workman's comp premium, the insurance company anticipates four hundred forty thousand or 40 percent or less utilization. That's a nice profit margin. Um, uh, health insurance, one in eight. Right. Home ins- homeowners insurance, one out of 50. These are, these are the numbers. So they're collecting premium. Again, remember, not paying taxes on the premium either. And that's their, that's their game, right? And again, claims will happen, calamity will happen, but the insurance companies are masters of actuarial science, and they want to sway the odds in their favor. When divorce is over 50%, right, the house yeah. isn't winning on that one, <laughs> right? So I wouldn't see them creating, a, creating an insurance product, you know, creating, okay. although I've thought, I've thought about, yeah, I've thought about that funny. before. Okay, well, if, the law, if you ever change your mind, let me know. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I'd have a liner on the corner. So, Selfie, yeah. thank you very much for joining yes. us. You are yes. a, really an interesting guy. I hope that we can get you on the show. I know I'm going to be on your radio yep. show uh, in a couple of weeks, and I yep. can't wait for that. Yeah. So thank you, no. and uh, don't work too hard. Yeah, that, no, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. It's and been a Ellie, pleasure. Ellie, thank you again. You're welcome. And thank, thank you, you for joining Exhibit A. We'll see you next time. Exhibit A is produced by David Lindley at the Law Offices of Donald P. Schweitzer in Pasadena, California. For more information, visit us online at PasadenaLawOffice.com and all social media platforms. 